For many years, I have had a prayer at the beginning of um, a meditation period, come into the zendo in the evening and have a quiet moment of prayer. And as many times as I've said it, I've also taken it back. This prayer has changed over the years, but basically it started out as something like this. Whatever it takes, whatever I need to see, to experience, to expose, whatever it takes so that I may know, intimately know, the dark and dusty reaches of this heart and thus transform those dark reaches into light. Whatever it takes for me to undo this delusion, may it be so. Perhaps you have something similar. I would recite this prayer with a little bit of mingling of fear, or actually a lot of mingling of fear occasionally. And then something difficult would happen and I would immediately take it back. <laughs> like, I don't know who heard <laughs> me say that, but I didn't actually totally mean it. Like, I kind of was hoping it'd be a little bit hard, but I would valiantly see through and then have the other side and be able to tell people the tale. And so it goes with a human life. So this weekend we sat a loving kindness retreat. As we do here with whatever theme we're working on, plumbing the depths of our being, coming back into the zendo over and over and over again, never knowing what will happen, often full of, at least for me, full of speculation, full of expectation, full of that longing. Whatever it takes for me to see through this delusion and full of ideas and opinions about how that whatever it takes should go or shouldn't go. But the longer I practice always trusting, maybe not always, often trusting that we are always doing the best that we can with the, the mind, heart, life experience moment that we have. And sitting here hour after hour, we don't know what will arise from the depths. Even coming here for Sunday program and sitting quietly, we just don't know. This is an essential point of practice, this not knowing. We don't know and yet we bravely continue to sit and to face our own minds. And in truth, we don't really need that, that prayer so much. 
the human realm seems to have its challenges, whether we ask for them or not, whether we're ready or not, here they come. The truth is, whether I say, bring it on, or whether I fight violently against my experience, it will come. <laughs> but what's important about the prayer actually is the orientation that we're taking towards our life, towards our experience. Because practice is a creative endeavor, thankfully. It's always changing, always evolving. <clears throat> because practice is a creative endeavor, I continue to unfold to play with the texture and meaning of this prayer and the depth and its purpose. So my current iteration of prayer is whatever arises from the mystery May it be a key to opening a more inclusive heart. Whatever arises, however challenging, from the mystery that is being anything at all, may it be a key to opening a more inclusive heart. Another way to put this is may I know obstructions as invitations to a larger view. May I know my perceived obstructions as invitations to a wider view. Life is a stream of happenings. Whether we like what's happening or not, it is furiously unfolding a relentless black fire of continuous transformation. It is furious in its unfolding. What are we to do in the midst of this? Where is the invitation to the wider view? How can we take the view, the wide open view of life that can recognize and include inherent goodness? As Hogan Roshi has often needed to remind me, the universe is catching your every step. Every step, every step. The universe is catching your every step. How can we recognize this inherent goodness? So the prayer is, is acknowledging the inevitable and it's orienting towards that inevitable in a particular way. And that's the same practice as reciting the four metaphrases. The same practice of taking this bigger orientation towards life, towards recognizing inherent goodness. So Bancho introduced those four phrases to those of you who 
just joined for today. We start with, may I be free from fear and anxiety. May I be at ease. May I be happy. It may not always feel true, but we have an enormous amount of life energy, virya. Life energy that can be directed towards an infinite number of things, an infinite number of habit patterns and habitual ways of thinking. And what a joy we have this opportunity. Imagination is one of the greatest blessings of being a human being. There can be opportunities to pour our life energy into the unthinkable and dream into the mystery in such tantalizing ways. This life is creativity unfolding itself. We don't actually need to do anything. It's just happening. So there's infinite streams that we can enter, infinite ways that we can use this life and the energy we've been offered as living beings. With the four metaphrases, we pour that life energy into the bodhisattva activity of cultivating and recognizing kindness. We pour that energy that we already have, we orient it towards goodness. Because it's helpful to realize that we are always practicing something. What are you practicing right now? Um, That's a rhetorical question, but you can think to yourself, like, what are sort of the thought patterns that are, that just sort of jump in and and turn the wheel of, of your mind? You're always practicing something. Can't really argue against practicing recognizing goodness. So whether it's deepening the grooves of our tendency to be judgmental to ourselves or others, perhaps you've noticed that, or practicing the art of an open heart or practicing the art of recognizing our own heart. Whether whenever I let loose a stream of judgment, whether just internally or outwardly expressing that, that's my practice in that moment. That's what I'm cultivating. That's what I'm putting out into the, into the field for myself and for other beings. That's what I'm cultivating and perfecting. So for some of us, that, that habit is so deep, so the grooves are so worn that having a very um, systematic and very clear and simple 
replacement practice is really helpful. There's part of me that's like, oh, I just want to rest in a wide open heart and just, just abide there. But it's so easy to start disassociating or not to see the kind of actual like specific places that we can get stuck. It's so easy to kind of just like open up and say like, oh, it's all fine, except this one person who I'll just like avoid thinking about. <laughs> so in the four phrases, we don't really have that option. We have to really dive in and see what's there. And if the mind is really busy and you see that it's rehearsing complaint, replace that and rehearse something else, rehearse kindness. Rehearse the mind of compassion and understanding. I often think of that line, all the world is a stage. And I don't know if we ever get onto the stage. I feel like life is a continuous rehearsal. Dogen Zenji says, life is one continuous mistake. Life is one continuous opportunity to learn. So these phrases are always opportunities to learn about the avenues of the heart. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know I was going to be so open-hearted towards this person, and then this other person feels complicated. How could I have known until I actually did the practice and tried it out? So that's something that really opened up for me this weekend. The phrases are learning opportunities. The core phrase is, may I be free from fear and anxiety. And how I've, the feeling tone I have when I say that is, may I learn from any fear and anxiety I experience. May my fear and anxiety be an offering. Does that make sense? You had a kind of like head tilt. I was curious. <laughs> May my fear and anxiety be an offering. So I experience it and learn from it and process with it. And then someone else tells me about their fear and anxiety and it doesn't seem like such a big deal. We can be together in that. It's the human experience. And I hope that from my experience of, of having that, then I can offer what I learned. Like, oh, it's really helpful to be in your feet when you're anxious. It's really helpful to breathe from your belly. I couldn't offer those unless I had actually directly had that practice myself. So the same with the next phrase, may I be at ease. Another way to consider it is may any ease I experience be offered for the benefit of all. May that ease fill the room and be an offering to anyone experiencing anxiety. So this isn't actually so different from the original phrasing, the original intention, and words are only, only ever partly true. 
And in that truth of their partial truth, <laughs> we can play with them infinitely and kind of get lost in the word game of Dharma. Um, but they're also very powerful pointers that can, that can really draw out the expression. And then we have to directly experience it for ourselves. Any Dharma talk, any um, explanation of Dharma can only ever kind of point towards one facet of a multifaceted jewel. Which is actually very lucky because we get to keep exploring, we get to keep opening it up. So may what I learn from fear and anxiety be an offering. May I know obstructions as invitations to a wider view. May I view the friction I seem to be experiencing as a helpful window into the places that I am stuck, the places I need more help. May the friction I experience be a resource for others. All of these are very fine things to say. Like I said, we can say anything. <laughs> um, but what? how are we actually going to put the pedal to the metal? How do we actually engage with this? What tools do we have to actually directly experience obstacles as invitations to make that difficult thing into the path of liberation? And this isn't just on the cushion. This is how are we engaging with this practice in the grocery store when we're shopping online? I think that's a particularly hard one, actually. How are you engaging with practice when you're on Amazon? <laughs> how are we actively engaging with our experience? Make it a habit to see into the inherent goodness of things. I think it's Byron Katie who says, um, so she talks about earth school. So all of us have our own earth school curriculum. So think about about your life and your curriculum, which is distinct to you, and no one else will ever have that particular curriculum. So how are you engaging with it? So I learned the four phrases. I can't completely remember, but I think I learned them from a yoga teacher that I um, practiced with in high school. And they were really valuable to me. They were really important. Um, like I was saying about 
we do these really specific practices to see into the stuck places in our hearts. I had used them for a while and then dropped them. I told some people this story already, uh, but I had um, a really difficult person come into my life and I started using the phrases basically out of desperation. I really didn't like, it wasn't the person I didn't like, it, I didn't like the person I was with them. It's just like, wow, I'm so reactive and they're actually not doing anything particularly harmful. They're just being themselves and I'm having all this agitation. So I would lay on my floor and do this practice. I would ride my bike and do this practice. I would look at them and be like, okay, be, be at ease, be at ease. Um, yeah, I got, I, I just felt like I had no, I had no other choice and this was the resource. I didn't have a ton of resources. This was the resource that was available. And um, I think of them now as, as, as a bodhisattva because through that engagement with them, I knew I needed practice. So I hadn't been to, this was, a, I learned them in high school, it was a few years later. I had done a couple session at um, San Francisco Zen Center, but I just knew that I needed more help. And they, that person got me back into Zen practice and I went to Sashin at Olympia Zen Center partly out of just desperation. 